On this episode, we are joined by WTKA's Dennis Fithian to break down the rise of Michigan hoops and the fall of Michigan football. And then it's mock draft time. Let's get it. What is good, everybody, and welcome back to the Michigan State of Sports, where you know it is still not going very well, but damn it, Jake and I like to talk about it anyway. As always, I am your host, Tony Garcia, joined by my wonderful co-host, Jake Ritma, my brother. How you doing on this fine? Tony, Tony, real good, my man. And you know, one of these days, maybe, hopefully, we'll get a different kind of uh, intro tagline because our teams won't be brutally horrific but that's not today so i'm fired up fired up to be with you a lot to get into um we got our first guest that you and i have had together a lot of fun there with, with dennis fithian rapping a little bit about the university of michigan both on the hardwood and the gridiron but uh yeah man it's 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 great to be with you here i keep checking you know my inbox kind of like waiting for that you're fired email or or this isn't working out type of thing but it hasn't come yet so i'm just going to keep uh accepting those zoom invites and, and and praying that the password you provide works and here we are uh three for three four for four i, I don't know i'm losing track what what number of show is this yeah uh this is four this is now four and i had that email composed but then you locked in fithian and then he did so well <laughs> it, you bought yourself another week there we go. I'm not bringing a lot to the table, but damn it, like you said, um, I'll, I'll try and get us connected with some guests. And, and, and having a guest is always a good thing because it's it's less of me, less of you, more of someone that uh, knows what the hell is going on and is actually in tune to to our Michigan State of Sports. I kid, I kid, I kid. No, I think you joke, but there's a little bit of truth to it. And that's why that we know all of our loyal listeners will, of course, continue to share, rate, review, subscribe, all the things we've asked you to do. And you are going to get in just a couple minutes, a wonderful interview with Dennis Fithian. But first, we have to remind you about our sponsor, Cutting Edge Landscaping. Cutting Edge Landscaping, there are so many superlatives you can say about this wonderful company. So I'm just going to say them all. They're family owned. They're locally owned. And this is not some charity case you're helping out during a pandemic. It's a great company to support no matter the circumstance or the landscape of our nation or anything related to it whatsoever. They got the 24 hour snow and ice removal going on right now. You hire them and they will take care of your driveway, your walkway, your sidewalk and, and salt it all down so you're not slipping anytime christmas day new year's day valentine's day they got you covered and then in the spring when you need your lawn mulched and you're trying to get that garden ready they can do that too you're thinking of re-landscaping you want to put in a waterfall i watched them do that before it's beautiful they can mow your lawn in the summer they can rake all the leaves and do all the things that you hate to do in the fall it's a 365-day-a-year company. They're the best in the business. Go to a2cuttingedge.com and tell them Tony from the Michigan State of Sports sent you, and you're going to get the best rate available. Everybody loves the best rate. So go give my guy Joe a call. I love a good salty sidewalk, Tony, especially – although I will say today the weather was nice. Um, it was. You've, you've put your meteorologist hat on time and time again, so I'm going to for a second here. And um, I, I thought I did not do it, but I thought about going for a run outside because it was so nice. So I didn't actually do it though, but, it was, uh, but go it ahead. Was nice enough to think about it. Right. And, right, and right. normally it's a 
it's not it's a formality it's a foregone conclusion that that is not happening no doubt no doubt but fantastic show lined up we're going to chat with dennis fithian who you can hear on wtka at afternoons he also has his own podcast as well as a little youtube show he does called the fifth chapters podcast is called the good afternoon podcast and we're gonna wrap it up with some lions talk some way too early mock draft talk because tony I know you're sick of talking about the general manager and head coach search. I'm sick of it. And the Lions um, haven't really given us anything more to talk about until they actually hire someone. And, and knowing us, they'll probably do it in, in, in the, the middle of the night and we'll wake up tomorrow morning and, and this will all be worthless and we'll, we'll redo the entire show. But just in case that doesn't happen, we're sick of talking about the general manager search. So why not mock draft talk? I'm, it is mock draft season 24 7, 365. This is the Lions. You're always thinking about who's the next guy to get. And that time is now. So let's hear from our guy, Dennis Fithian, and uh, we'll get back to some Lions talk. All right. Pleased now to be joined by a good friend of ours, good friend in the biz. You can hear him afternoons on WTKA in Ann Arbor, also the host of the Good Afternoon podcast. Dear friend of mine, Dennis Fithian, a.k.a. D-Fifth. What's going on, my man? Hey, Jake, Tony, it's great to be on with you, man. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? Dennis and I were texting, whoa, it would have been a few weeks ago when his Michigan Wolverines were running my, and I say our, because Tony also spent some time at Northwestern, our Northwestern Wildcats out of the gym a couple weekends ago, and, and they've just continued that. The University of Michigan basketball program is simply firing on all cylinders setting a, a college record by blowing out uh, ranked opponents three games in a row I mean you and I love college basketball what's it been like watching this team really just absolutely shine well it's hard to find anybody that likes northwestern basketball so yeah Jake you know you're out there on an island it's it's good that you responded to me I don't get many responses when I when I reach out and want to talk a little bit about uh, the cat. So that's good. That's but you know, heading into that game, people looked at the non-conference for Michigan and Michigan looked really good, but they really hadn't played anybody and certainly hadn't played anybody that was ranked. So that Northwestern game was the, the first one where they were going to play a ranked opponent. As you mentioned, you know, they ran them off the floor. Then they played Minnesota. It's like, Hey, Minnesota's pretty good. This should be, they've got a big, you know, that they, they got as a, a, a transfer. He's going to be able to, step up and, and look Hunter Dickinson in the eye and Dickinson just, uh, you know, mauled him. And then came last night against the Badgers, you know, the experienced team. They've got guys, uh, fifth year, senior seniors across the board, been there, done that. And then Michigan played their best game, punched them in the mouth, maybe played, uh, you know, had everybody like, wow, this, this team looks awesome, man. Put them in the final four, all of that. So yeah, each step the, you know, the, the schedule really sets up nice for them, even though the big 10 is really tough. If you look at the teams, they only have to play once. Iowa, Illinois, Rutgers, Ohio State, and three out of those four, with the exception of Ohio State, they're all in Ann Arbor for whatever that's worth this year. Yeah, no. And again, Dennis, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And I think you really hit the nail on the head. It is the progression of the schedule that works so favorably into the into their favor. But what something that I thought was – funny was how when it was the non-conference it was like okay let's see you do it against the big 10 and then hunter dickinson keeps playing well and it's like all right well what do you do when hunter dickinson has an off night and franz wagner started slow and it's like oh well now he's picking up there's always been well let's see it well let's see it. we don't need to see anymore 
right? Like, I mean, they can't be this good this long because that's not how college basketball works. But this team is very legit, more so than I think anyone gave them credit for before this season. Yeah, even, you know, last night, Mike Smith, their their transfer they got from Columbia, you know, he's done a nice job fitting it tough to be a point guard and, and run a team and expect to be a, a top 25 team. But Juwan Howard had some time, you know, he's a, a Chicago kid, Juwan Howard from Chicago. So that's where the, the connection was. And, the, and they brought him in and he had done a nice job, but going up against Wisconsin, you know, they, they got Trice who's six feet tall, Michigan's best defenders, Eli Brooks. So that means they're putting um, uh, Smith over on Davidson who's six, four. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a matchup nightmare. They're, they're going to exploit that all day. They tried right off the bat. They went right down at him. He turned around and, and shot an air ball a couple other times, just wasn't comfortable. They couldn't take advantage of that mismatch at all. And then Smith, you know, Xavier Simpson was so good for Michigan for a couple of years, but if he, you know, really good defender, he had that hook shot that everybody talked about that I actually, you know, uh, was throwing that in my own game, you know, bringing the old school hook shot. I was back. just about to say D fifth, you'd bring that out in when we'd play horse here at, you know, at the, at the old studios, you'd, I'd, I've seen that move from you before. Yeah. At 50 is court. I had to, you know, bring that in there. I was going with the old hook shot, but you know, he, he was a, you know, a guy who had been there and you're thinking, man, experience, but then Smith, man, he actually, when I, I watched him, I put on the YouTube, it was the, the first um, highlight that if you type his name in before, he was at Michigan, he dropped 34 when he was at Columbia. And I looked at him, I said, man, you know, he kind of looks like a, an old school, a crafty Derek Walton. But then last night he played his best game that he's, uh, that he's played. He had his jumper going, step back. He can run the break. He, he runs the pick and roll with Dickinson. And then uh, he might be a, a pretty good tough-minded defender as well as what he showed last night. And really that's the thing that's emerged in, in the Big Ten besides actually playing some teams that people thought, hey, this is going to be a legit contest. Michigan's really ratcheted up defensively. They've got, I don't know if you want to call them um, a premier or elite defenders, but I would say they're, uh, they, they are uh, like what you would say, pretty good defenders, you know, and, no doubt, and you no go doubt. right across the board, Brooks and Dickinson, all of these guys, I, I would say that, you know, you would say that these guys um, are pretty good defenders. For sure. They've made teams feel uncomfortable on both ends of the floor. Dennis Fithian joining us on the Michigan State of Sports. And D-Fifth, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, I get a lot of stuff wrong. And at the very top of the list probably is going to be my original take, if you will, on Juwan Howard when they brought him in to replace a guy like Beeline. Zero head coaching experience, yada, yada, yada. But the guy can recruit. But now now he's taking that next step as the, the, the face of the program and actually doing it with the X's and O's. Do you think the level of success that Michigan has had in the first not quite two full years, and obviously there hasn't been a tournament yet, but do you think Juwan Howard has completely silenced the critics like myself? I think so, but, you know, you have to do everything in March. And it, last year, he didn't have a chance to do that. Uh, they were going to make the NCAA tournament. And this year, they look like they're going to make the NCAA tournament. But you guys aren't old enough to remember Gene Cady, who had this, uh, you know, pullover at Purdue. And he was a great coach, you know, Hall of Fame coach. They named the court after him and everything else. He used to win Big Ten championships. He had great players like Big Dog, Glenn Robinson. But they would get into the tournament. They never made it past the Sweet 16. People don't talk about Purdue basketball. Uh, it's unfair, but that's the, that's the way it goes. These guys know the deal. Michigan could win the Big Ten this year. They could win the Big Ten tournament. They could be a one seed. If they did that, they would be. But if they get popped and don't get out of the first weekend, it's going to be a, a disappointing season 
and everybody would be coming after Jawan and saying, oh, yeah, all of that, but, he, you know, he can't get it done in the tournament, you know, so, yeah, you, you got to get it done there, but right now he's, you know, he's doing all the, the things that, that you would want, but, and the thing that you have to remember about this hiring process, it's, it's hard to follow a legend, you know, they always say that. Ward Manuel, his first choice was, was Ed Cooley at Providence, and right. he turned him down. He turned Michigan down flat out. He just said, nah, I think I'm good here. I was like, wow, what a blessing in disguise. Even though people weren't, myself included, I wasn't automatically saying Juwan couldn't get it done. I was wondering if he was going to be able to attract the five stars and get them in. And then uh, I had to see what he was going to be able to do out on the floor because he's never been a head coach. But he's been able to do all those things. And obviously recruiting, he's uh, been able to do that. He, he's uh, He's a – I would say already you could say a proven recruiter for the guys that he's bringing in this class and, and next year's class and then who he's in on and then uh, his coaching acumen. I think a lot has to do with his staff, but man, his team, you, you never watch him and think, Oh, you know what? Juwan doesn't know what he's doing or he's in over his head. Last year when they played Michigan state, I thought he blew his stack. He ran out on the court. He got a technical and I'm like, Oh, Juwan, man, he's overheating. But you know what? A minute later, he was just standing there with his hands in his pockets, as cool as could be. And I'm like, oh, he was doing that for effect. He did it this year too. Went out there and he was just getting his players back. Got a tech on purpose. He knows how to he knows how to work the refs. He knows what he's doing. You know, 19 years in the NBA, we'll be able to do that a lot as a player development and a coach, you know, there at the end. Uh, he's, he's bringing those principles and what he learned there at Michigan. So, yeah, it looks fantastic right now, obviously. Yeah, calculated for sure. Uh, is one word to describe him. And Jake, I'm not going to beat you up or myself up for our takes. I mean, we're allowed to be wrong. And I don't think there was anything wrong with wondering, you are trying to replace a guy who had Michigan going a very specific way. He was, I hate, I mean, I don't hate this comparison, but he was in a way the Mark D'Antonio to Michigan's basketball. You're not getting the four and five-star guys. You're under-recruiting as compared to the rival school in the state, but you're always punching up against them, having an equal amount of success over a decade when Izzo was doing very well as in his own right. So I'm not going to beat us up for questioning someone who has, who had as many question marks as you can possibly have. He had never had to call the X's and O's and do something he had filled in here and there, maybe a couple times as the heat head coach for Spolstra. But, but Dennis, what I want to ask you specifically about this year is, what do you think it is? It, because last year, I didn't know what Michigan's identity was. And this year, it feels like their identity is just unselfish, well-rounded basketball. I mean, Livers and Wagner, who were supposed to be the stars of this team, are great, but they're just playing roles. They're just plugging, the, filling their gaps. And then you got Hunter Dickinson, who, I mean, yeah, he's a freshman, but he's 20 years old and he's playing like he's 20 years old. So, who, who is the, the guy with the secret sauce? Why is this Michigan team this effective? Or can you even pin it to just one guy? No, I think you mentioned him, Hunter Dickinson. He's a star, and he demands a double team. When Michigan crosses the timeline, they're trying to get him the ball. And he does play an old-school game. Like now you're thinking positionless basketball. You get a guy 7-1. Hey, let's get him out, see how many threes he can jack up. That's not what Michigan's doing. They're going down on the box to him. And if you're not ready to defend him, he's just going to eat you alive. And if you're not playing the pick and roll, he's going to grab it. He's going to throw it in your face. And the game's going to get over quick that way. And he could just suck the life out of you. T 
teams have tried to do some different things. Minnesota tried to play them straight up, and uh, that didn't work. You saw a little bit like Wisconsin did a pretty good job in the first half on that pick and roll. But when you start doubling them, he's good enough to pass. And then really Michigan's got the answers. Like they've got shooters. They've got guys that look like they could be potentially first. You know, Franz Wagner, you, know, you mentioned Dickinson. He's 20. Wagner's uh, not going to be 20 until August. So I think that's when you look at him. Dan Dockich was saying like he's the best pro prospect in the uh, Big Ten. And it was like, whoa, wait a what about the guys at Illinois? What about Luca Garza? So that was a pretty big statement by Dockett. I don't know if he's correct on that, but people like Wagner because he's a six nine wing that can get out and do everything. And you can see him on uh, 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 defense. How uh, he looks pretty good there. But yeah, you got a lot of the answers. Livers can shoot. Wagner can take you one on one. We already talked about Smith and Eli Brooks is really good. These plus defenders that they have. And they can score. And now they bring back Austin Davis, big country, who was out for a while with a plantar fasciitis. That makes them six deep. They brought in the other transfer, a 10 and five guy, Shondi Brown. He brings great energy. He's exactly what you'd want if you're drawing it up as a six man. And then, oh yeah, Brandon Johns, the pride of uh, East Lansing. So what's that make you? That's a legit eight deep. So they're, they're legit. And uh, I think it starts with Dickinson. You have to have a plan for him. And so far, it doesn't matter what the plan has been. He's been able to solve it. No doubt, no doubt. And it's been an absolute blast to watch. But like you said, that uh, we'll, we'll find even more out in March, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, now, Dennis, we got to switch from the, the conversation surrounding the University of Michigan on the hardwood to the gridiron, where it might not be quite as fun, depending on who you ask. Um, but one thing's for sure. The Wolverines still have their Michigan man. They still have their leader at the helm. And in theory, that leader will be there through 2025. Of course, we're talking Jim Harbaugh contract extension. Thinking back to when this news became official, your initial reaction, and I know um, you and, and a lot of people have been critical of Harbaugh for, for good reason. And, and I'm curious where you're at in terms of the message this sends to the University of Michigan. Well, I'm not doing it on purpose, but all that enthusiasm and excitement that I was showing for basketball, <laughs> I'm now kind of giving you the enthusiasm for Jim Harbaugh signing that contract extension. Not really thrilling. Doesn't really uh, energize the fan base. It's not really exciting. I do have to say that last year, before the pandemic, there were a lot of people, and I think fairly, you know, they were and. and every right to say that they were ready to move on talking about Michigan fans ready to move on from Jim Harbaugh. But I said, you know what? I still think he's the best guy for the job. I didn't see anybody else out there. I knew that if it was that he knew the best, how to beat Ohio state, even though he wasn't able to do it. So I was going to give him another kick at the can, but this year was such a disaster. I give him um, credit for getting his team and wanting to go out there and play, even though they were clearly going to be second fiddle to Ohio State. But so, but that's really where the credit stops. I mean, they played well against Minnesota, but after that, they were a disaster. Your question about my initial thought when he signed the extension, uh, well, what the hell took you so long? The other part was is that here's a guy that couldn't get the time of day with the NFL – and somebody that over a four-year stretch, three of those four years, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that had a better record in the NFL. So it, it must be something else besides actually what he had uh, done on the sideline 
and that something else is his personality. So this guy's so hard to work with and burns so many bridges in the NFL that he puts himself out there and is ready to be hired. He can't even get the time of day. So then he goes back to Michigan. Now, there's a lot of Michigan reporters that don't think that's actually how it went down. Uh, Ward Manuel, the athletic director, didn't even give him the contract until after National Signing Day, which, you know, is bizarre to me. It makes no sense. But uh, a lot of the reporters that uh, are talking to Michigan, this is how they're selling it. And this is what they think happened, that he just went over it with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, he didn't like it because he was getting half the money. And sure, he wanted to see where his market value was. His market value wasn't anywhere with the NFL. So there's that part where it – to me, it felt like that whole time that he was putting Michigan second. And if you're a Michigan football fan, you know you know that business is business and people are trying to do their best to make as much money as you can. But man, from a guy that used to climb trees and uh, birth calves and everything just to get a sleepovers, just to get uh, a kid, you know, thinking about Michigan, he was somebody who was running the stop sign on National Signing Day. None of that really felt good, but you know, they got him for another year. It's a cheap option for them. They can get out of it if he doesn't uh, ring the bell or anything next year. So from that standpoint, like I, there's, there's more people that were ready to move on than were ready to say, oh yeah, let's keep Jim Harbaugh. But you know, here we are now. I think you hit the nail on the head as far as what I was, I mean, just speculating about his worth or his, his value in the NFL and the reason why he couldn't go back. Uh, as far as burning bridges, but you just said so many good things. I have so many questions that, that come to mind. And I guess it's how does Michigan justify it from their side, right? Because Harbaugh, you understand, like there's kind of nowhere else to go. You're a little bit boxed in. You got to, I guess, maybe reprove yourself or something. But how does Michigan bring him back after wholly underachieving for five years and then spin to its fan base this is what we believe is best because as fans, we could say like, Oh, well, I mean, great. I mean, it's a, it's a cheap option. If they want to get out of it. Um, I mean, they, they have a much easier exit strategy, but why do the fans care about the money? Michigan's got money, even in a pandemic. I mean, yeah, the, yes, it's a lot tighter now than it was if we're having this conversation back in February, but why, why are fans trying to say like, oh, you know, I think, I think this was a good thing because they're saving money. Who cares? They don't care about your money. Why do you care about theirs? So how is Michigan selling this to its fans? Well, there's a, it's like, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh's uh, a legend. It's like, he's the, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, like, you know, like hey, go he, is, he, he was a legend. <laughs> he was a legend. He was captain comeback. He guaranteed against Ohio, a, a win against Ohio state. And he delivered, you know, he was Bo's captain. Now, he was a captain comeback in, in the NFL. And, and Michigan fans, they love their history. And they love Jim Harbaugh. They really do. And, and they, they, look, they, they tend to look back at, okay, he was a Michigan legend. He had success in the pros. He had success when he was at Stanford. And, and if he can't do it, nobody can. I think that's the justification. I think they, uh, they think about it the way I did last year, that, hey, Jim, he knows what it takes to be at Ohio State. And if he can't do it, Nobody else can. And plus, there isn't a candidate that was a home run candidate. You say, oh, Matt Campbell could have been. They could have, you know, we could probably go and have a good five guys that could have come in and uh, would have done a good job or you'd have been excited about. But Michigan fans are saying, look, you, you, there wasn't somebody. There wasn't another Jim Harbaugh out there. So I think that's that he's a Michigan legend. 
that um, there wasn't another candidate that was sitting out there and that a lot of Michigan fans really think that if Jim can't do it, remember there was just a couple of years ago, they were talking about giving him a lifetime extension and everybody was like, yeah, why not? He's the greatest thing ever. And that Michigan man thing and him being captain comeback really for a lot of people, they just can't see like if Jim can't do it, nobody can. And I believe a lot of people feel like that. All right. So what does Dennis Fithian think? Like, what, what would you have done? You are now Dennis Manuel or, or Ward Fithian, whatever you want to call you. You got the keys to, to this car. What would you have done? I mean, I know you say how you feel now based on what has done, what has happened, but what would you have done in, in this circumstance? Who would you have gone after? Oh, well, I would have gone after Matt Campbell, but I would have, before the season, I would have never let it drag on into the offseason of the National Signing Day. I would have got something done before the season and I would have had that lower buyout and then I would have got to a situation to your point I wouldn't have been over here like talking about well the pandemic and you know 10 million nonsense you know Michigan makes 25 million dollars every home game you know they lost 80 million dollars where do you think the 80 million dollars was everybody it was because Michigan football when they filled the stadium up for 110,000 you look what Auburn did you look what Texas did I would have moved them out of there right after the season I certainly wouldn't have been uh, going up to National Signing Day and been like, well, we're just going to talk after the season. The season got canceled. Season got canceled back um, uh, on the 28th after they played Penn State. It was it was canceled in early December. And he just signed that extension last week. We're into 2021. That was all nonsense. I would have never let him hold me hostage the way he did or tried to nickel and dime it the way Ward did hoping that he's going to get an NFL job. So that'll get us $10 million. I'd have acted swiftly after the season. I'd say, Hey, we love Jim Harbaugh, but it just didn't work out here. And we're all going to be fans of Jim Harbaugh. And then I would have went right after Matt Campbell. I love it. I love it. Defense bringing, bringing the passion. And I, I mean, if anybody's listening, I think you, you know, it might be on the short list for, for future uh, athletic director at the university of Michigan. <laughs> Let, let's get your take on, uh, on the most recent uh, trend, uh, most recent hire, if you will, for the University of Michigan, that is bringing back Mike Hart, formerly the running backs coach at Indiana, and officially going to be coming back to Ann Arbor to coach the running backs. Kind of a, I guess you could say, a lateral move because many believe he was in line for a, a significant promotion, whether it be at Indiana or elsewhere, uh, considering the success that the Hoosiers have had. But uh, Hart coming back to Ann Arbor, do you think that'll make a make a difference for the Wolverines? Well, for fans, the, like we go back to Harbaugh, why they like him because he's a Michigan man. Michigan Mike Hart, he's no more Michigan man than Mike Hart. <laughs> You know, he'll call uh, Michigan State little brother and, uh, you know, got all that thing going. So, yeah, Michigan fans love Mike Hart. And really, like to your point here, the running backs coach last year was Jay Harbaugh and, you know, uh, Jim's son. And the way that he rolled out the backs, hey, here's two carries. You ran for 70 yards. That's going to be it. We're going to split the carries with, with four different backs. And everybody's like, hey, that's bizarre. That's never worked before. No other team runs it like that. Well, it was fine after they did that against Minnesota, but after they lost to Michigan State and then Indiana and then Wisconsin, it was hogwash. Nobody had ever done that, and they stayed with it. I mean, I was ready to fire Harbaugh just for that or Josh Gaddis. That was all nonsense. Uh, Mike, Mike Hart's <laughs> no, no not going. They got, they got Donovan Edwards coming in from West Bloomfield. It was almost a five-star. I, I can't believe that he committed. Like, hey, you know, you get I'm, the ball. I was amazed. You're going to get the ball, Tony, three, four times. We can promise you the ball three, four times. 
yeah, my cart's not going to do that. And it is a lateral move, except that when it comes to his bank account, you know, they took care of him there. Yeah, they did. An extra 100000 is pretty nice. And if you think about how Mike Hart was treated, I mean, I still remember if I wasn't at the games, I remember the graphics when they were showing the pistons in his legs going to describe how he ran. I mean, he was carrying the ball 35 times a game. He probably wants a, a bell cow bat. I mean, they ran Stevie Scott at Indiana whenever they needed. There wasn't really a second running back uh, to speak of. I know they had more of an air raid this year. But over under two and a half questions into his first media availability where they ask about the little brother comment, Dennis, over under. Oh, I think that's the, that's the number one question. It, it won't get past question two. If I was there, that's the first question that I would ask. Hey, Mike, what do you have to say to Michigan State now? That little brother comment, you know, carried a lot of weight for the decade or so after that. Yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that would be on my list that I would ask him. Uh, the other thing would be, hey, how are you going to divvy up those carries? I think it needs to – Blake Corum needs to touch the ball more. He, in my mind, was was number two. I mean, and they need to start running more. Like, if you watch what Alabama did, obviously, Devontae Smith is a, is a wide receiver. But just, I mean, flex him out, run him back, see if someone's in man coverage, and then just throw it to him in the flat. And he has his momentum carrying him out. Blake Corum was fast. I know Michigan fans were very upset with him in the way, as you just – spelled out for us beautifully about the way the running back room was handled. But Hassan Haskins was a bulldozer and Blake Corum was so fast. I would blink and he was 20 yards down the field, the one or two times he could go. And then now you got Donovan Edwards. There's it's a, it's a stacked room that Mike Hart has to work with. I think. Is yeah. Last year. I mean, it didn't take a genius. You know, you've got uh, Blake Corum, you got Chris Evans. Those guys are, are pseudo wide receivers. You watch the NFL Curtis Samuel for the Panthers. He's a running back. They flex him out. They put him out and, and, and throw slants to him. Let's do it. But, you know, you got you got to pick one or two and then go with it. Yeah. You can't just keep, like, uh, you know, tiptoeing in like they did. That was uh, a part of their demise. Of course, their defense stunk, and they they, they were going with an antiquated scheme. And then, you know, they their play calling in some of the big games, like running that wildcat, you know, trying to throw the ball right in the middle of the, the field. People go like, hey, it would have worked if they had a black – you don't throw the ball directly in front of the, the center there. There's no angle to do that. Uh, the whole setup was terrible. So there was a lot of things. I'm ready to, I'm ready to put this year behind. No doubt, no doubt. Dennis Fithian from WTKA in Ann Arbor joining us on the Michigan State of Sports. Dennis, safe to say we've got the basketball program trending upwards and football not so sure on that front. But uh, regardless, we really appreciate the time this afternoon and uh, just wrapping about Michigan sports. Hey, guys, good luck with the podcast. Uh, I know you guys will do great. It's just uh, how long are you going to stay with it? Hopefully forever. And I hope <laughs> one day that I'll be able to be a guest again. We appreciate that, my friend. All the best to you, and uh, we'll definitely do this again. Sounds good. Our thanks to Dennis Fithian from WTKA in Ann Arbor. Love the passion he brings. Uh, had the chance to work with Dennis a little bit at 97.1, the ticket, one of my favorite guys to produce for. Solid dude all the way around. Definitely check out his stuff on Twitter at Dennis Fithian and the fifth chapter, the Good Afternoon Podcast, of course, on WTKA. A lot to unpack there, Tony. There was. I mean, and I think my main takeaway is you're really pulling your weight with these guests now, Jake. I mean, I, that was my first true interaction with him before I followed him on Twitter for a long time, listened to him on uh, on our everybody's favorite sports radio station. But what a good dude. Well-spoken, kind, personable, passionate for sure. Um, 
I loved it. And uh, we could, we could unpack, as you said, unravel that yarn ball that is Michigan football and basketball, but I think we'll just put it back in the knitting kit for the time being. Well, he did. So yeah, he did so well doing it. Why why re rephrase everything that he already said. It's like he does it for a living or something. (laughs) You would think someone pays him to do this. No doubt, no doubt. But time now, as we promised, a little mock draft talk, the Lions and the rest of the National Football League. Well, I shouldn't say the rest because crazy teams actually play in the playoffs. And we don't know what that's like as Lions fans, of course. Um, But there's still NFL football going on. But for those like ourselves who do not have a franchise in the playoffs, it's mock draft time. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the I love the sounders that we get going with with the mock draft. We'll, we'll we'll work on that. We'll workshop that. But Tony, a couple of uh, well known publications coming out with the way too early mock drafts, and we can dive into what the experts, quote unquote experts, are saying for the Lions with that number seven overall pick. Where your head's at, where I'm at, and the great news about all this is a team like the lions have so many holes that there's really no wrong answer here. There is every single position outside of center with Frank Ragnow and maybe Taylor Decker at left tackle as a whole. I mean, there is short of drafting another tight end at number seven. I think you could really do no wrong at this position. Yeah. What's uh, what's the tight end from Florida Pitts, uh, Kyle Pitts. Is he on the radar for the lions? I, mean, I can always I on the radar. No every, doubt. But every, anyone who has that TE logo next to their name, <laughs> if you stand around six, five and you can run a sub four, eight 40, I mean, it, it gets the people riled up in Allen park. No doubt. The first, the first one we're going to go with here is from the sporting news. And I'm probably going to mispronounce the name here. Vinny liar. This from the sporting news who has the lions at number seven, taking a player you might've seen on, um, on full display Monday night as the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, you know, I, yeah, you can say they dominated, but seventh national championship for Saban. I enjoyed the game. It is what it is. We're not going to dive into college football and the problems that they may or may not have, but nonetheless, yeah. roll tide. He's got the Lions taking Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, wide receiver out of Alabama, an absolutely electric talent that I truly believe will be a generational skill player at the next level. I think he will be too. And yeah, I know that's really going out on a limb. Sorry to interrupt you right there. (laughs) Well, you know, it kind of is because if you hear people talking about him, they're still questioning, oh, there's only been two guys taken this high who weigh 175 pounds or less. And it's Tavon Austin and John Ross. And both of them were kind of gadget guys, one trick ponies, but who excelled at the college level and didn't obviously pan out at the NFL. I think Devontae Smith is much better than either of them. And he's going to be really, really great for someone. But I don't know if I want it to be the Lions just because there's too many holes and you don't go as part of a rebuild. Maybe this is just philosophy, but you don't go tight end and then cornerback and then wide receiver all all as top seven top eight picks excuse me and then look up and wonder why you're still rebuilding i mean those are luxury positions that 
no one drafts a wide receiver in the top seven and then plays for a Super Bowl two years, three years later. That doesn't happen. Uh, I, will, I will argue the wide receiver, tight end, totally agree. Luxury position. Cornerback, absolutely. You don't draft a cornerback at number uh, number um, two or th- what do they have? Number three overall. Um, you, you just don't do that unless they're Deion Sanders or, or Rob Gronkowski or something of that nature. And obviously you think they are that if you're drafting them that high, but they weren't. Clearly, Okuda is definitely not the next Deion Sanders. I don't care if it's one year or not. But I'll disagree in the sense that I think you win, you can win with a lethal aerial assault in today's NFL. And I think back to those, those lion scenes where Stafford was throwing it 60 times a game and, and you had Calvin and, and you had that wide receiver core that, that teams feared. I mean, there's nothing about this current lions roster that somebody has to a defensive coordinator or any, any coordinator, an opposing coach, fears you put Devonte smith in a wide receiver room you you pray they re-sign kenny galladay and stafford is still matthew stafford the 12-year veteran that can get the ball to those guys i think defensive coordinators at least then would have something to prepare for in somewhat respect where i don't think this lions team has any of that right now so i would be okay with the Devonte smith i hear that i hear that but is Matthew Stafford going to be quarterbacking this team whenever Devontae Smith is playing for something relevant? And the answer also is Also a no. very good question. Yeah, yeah. You know, if only we had like a general manager and a head coach to, you know, kind of point out the direction that this franchise is going. I know. I hear they're consulting Stafford about the hire, and that is not good for my psyche or my mental. But but I want to bring up a few points. And and I respect your opinion, and I think I think you I make, don't. You, you make you make good. <laughs> if you don't, even if you don't respect your opinion, I do. But you've heard of that guy Tyreek Hill, right? Do you know when Not he was bad. drafted? Fifth round. He's the best receiver. He's the best receiver left in the playoffs. You've heard of Devontae Adams. He might be even better than Tyreek Hill. You know when he was. Yeah, taking- I would take Adams over Hill. Not that that that, that matters. I, 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 I would too. I would too. He was taken fifty third overall. Michael Thomas from the Saints, forty seventh overall. You don't I, – I don't know if there is a single team who is still alive in the NFL playoffs whose number one wide receiver was a top ten pick. In fact, I'm almost sure that there's none. If I was good at this job, I would have looked them all up. But I only looked three of them <laughs> you up. Look, you looked but, up I think those are, but I think those are the three best who are, who are in the playoffs. And those are – you excel when you get a steal in the draft. You need to build in the trenches in the first round. Think about the only successful first-round picks that were under Bob Quinn. It was Frank, Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker. That's where that's where they had their bread and butter. They did pretty well at the O line, and yes, that's why they need to beef up the skill positions right now. I think it's just too much of a luxury. I don't know if he'll be there at eleven. Trade back, get a second, another second rounder, maybe a third rounder. They need draft capital. I was just about to say it would be nice to acquire some draft capital, but let's. Uh, Let's continue with a couple more of these from The Athletic. A lot of people high on the linebacker out of Penn State. Micah Parsons, described as a guy that can go sideline to sideline. Also, let's welcome in the season of draft cliches, sideline to sideline, can play in a phone booth, oily hips, high motor. You know, and so, I mean, all of those, I don't want to use them all up in, in one episode here, but Coach I love them all. Like I, I can't get enough of the draft cliches. But all seriousness, Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State, also a day one impact player i like it more i like it more the lines don't have a single linebacker and once again we don't know who the coach is so we don't know who the dc is so we don't know if they're going to be running a three four or four three a four two five a multiple d we have no idea what this is going to look like yes jake you're one yes sorry one thing is for sure that we do know 
is Jelani Tavai is not a National Football League linebacker. Good gracious. I'm not going to go off. I, I am going off, so I'll just continue to do it. I, that might be Bob Quinn's worst draft pick, even more, even worse than Tease Tabor. I was going to ask that. I don't know. I mean, let's just I, let's just omit the second Tabor round. Is def- is worse because he didn't even make the team the the next year. <laughs> yeah, like, true. I mean, Tavai was so horrible, he shouldn't have been on the team. Like, but I was in pain watching Tavai play this year. I I, I felt for him. And I was physically in pain watching him get juked out time and time again. And I'm not going to pull up any stats and bore, bore anybody with those. But you, you, watch, you watch the Lions defense, and there's a clear hole at linebacker. And Jelani Tavai is not the answer there. And they, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Jared Davis's rookie contract. So I'm expecting him to go out the door as well. Micah Parsons makes all the sense in the world to me. If you're not, if you're not drafting someone who – has their hand down when the play starts, then I think Micah Parsons is, would be very high on my way too early draft list pecking order. Yeah, it's worth pointing out the Lions have just neglected the defensive line the last four or five years. I think Deshaun Hand's the only draft pick uh, out of that position group. Um, interior defensive line, I should say. So um, I, I'd be on board with, with Micah Parsons. And of course, while we're in the spirit of the draft cliches, there are, and I don't know if this is necessarily a cliche, but it always gets brought up about certain first rounders. There's a maturity question there. Um, that's been uh at not necessarily been his, his biggest strength, but some of those things, you know, they, they interview them to, to, to death during the, the combine. And, and you don't want, uh, of course, there's, there are players who fizzle out because they don't have it mentally. And I'm not saying Parsons is going to be one of those guys, but that is something that is showing up on a draft card, on a draft report that's worth pointing out. It's true. And you can't hide those things on an interview. I mean, the, it, it comes, Maybe you can to a certain extent, but all the water, water finds its level. The cream water finds its level. There it is. That's the one I was looking for. Like every, like the truth comes out is the point. And so I think these other two mock drafts, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Chris uh, Trapasso from CBS Sports and Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus, they both got Jalen Waddle going to Alabama. So maybe I'm just way off in thinking I don't, I don't think the Lions should take a receiver at that spot. But I think you do. Who do you like more, Waddle or, or Devontae Smith? Very good question, Tony. And I am a sucker for like a lot of a lot of us uh, big J capital J journalists really have that uncanny ability to just throw it all out the window and really dissect it and and give you the numbers and and who's the you know, who's got a better combine and I do the eye test, man. And I know that is it's very, very, very much a flawed system but uh i watched a lot of football especially when i was supposed to be playing i watched a lot of football from the sidelines and certain players just look like stars and that's Devonte smith and i know jalen waddle was hurt and before he was hurt he was the number one option and he's he has plenty of proven success in in college football for alabama and had a had a great career but the recency bias yes and and seeing Devonte smith hoist the Heisman trophy and that performance in the national championship game. And, and, and the national championship game was so spectacular, three touchdowns over 200 yards receiving all in like the first half, I swear Um, that was spectacular, but that was just one of, of countless performances throughout the course of the year that were that way. And there's obviously there's a reason he won the Heisman trophy. (laughs) And I I just, to see him in Honolulu blue, I I'm optimistic that, the Lions and Matthew Stafford could find a way to get him the ball. And I keep going back to that, giving 
opposing coaches, opposing defensive coordinators, something to fear, something to game plan, and an identity to this franchise, even if it is just trying to outscore your opponents. They need it, but is he going to be replacing Kenny Galladay? Is he lining up on the other side of the field with him? I mean, there are so many damn questions in this right. Lions organization where I feel like we're talking like it's it's like we're trying to speak in French or something. Like we're not even speaking a language because we don't know what the hell is going on. For sure. I would love to see them try and sign Kenny Galladay, which probably means they're not going to get a core on the defensive end. But again, that defense is <laughs> that, that ship is so far sailed. And I know Cora was one of the lone bright spots, but I guess if you're asking me, do I want Galladay or Cora? It's it's Galladay. Wow. Finally, now we're getting some spice because we're actually disagreeing about some things. Like I love Kenny Galladay, but this team is so far away. You gotta add you gotta add the the shine and the glitz and the glamour later. Like we need to get the big <laughs> uglies and they right. need to be able to dominate. And then you just put just fit the pieces around them. Yeah, so you're actually trying to build an organization from the ground up the way you're supposed to. I'm just trying to put lipstick on the pig and and patch (laughs) up some holes here and and make it look pretty on the outside, you know, and then maybe we can we can steal something and and find a way, dare I say, get to the playoffs. And I'm just going to stop now because when I say my plan out loud, I don't love it, but it beats the alternative. No, I mean, I, th- I mean, I don't think you're crazy for thinking what you think. And oh, I am. If the Lions had done what I wanted them to do, and yes, there are a lot of questions about Tua right now, and I could be way wrong. But if you take Tua last year instead of, uh, instead of numb nuts, I'm going to use the line instead of uh, the cornerback from Ohio Okuda. State. Yeah, 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 Okuda. Yeah, I was going to say Okwara. I was like, we keep saying Okwara, but I know it's not Okwara. Yeah, Okuda, Okuda, Okuda Matata. The yeah. cornerback that's not very good for taking him third yeah. overall. That if guy. you take Tua instead of instead of Okuda, then start putting pieces around him. Now right. you like now you're taking the shot at the wheel with with this with this quarterback, and I'm, and I'm for it. But when we have no quarterback who's going to be winning here in three years, then I got I got to redo this. I got to run it back. And even to to cry over spilled milk, and I know this has been a take I'll die on, even if Tua's not the guy, like many are believing that even in one year that he's not going to be a great quarterback, even if you would have taken him, you at least have trade bait. You have so, you have a piece to move. You have some kind of, because let's be honest, I think people would give up more for Tua right now than they would for Matthew Stafford. And truthfully, honestly, realistically, I don't think the Lions have any intention of moving Matthew Stafford as much as we want them to. And I don't even know if that would yield a first round pick, but I'm saying if the Lions would have drafted Tua, Justin Herbert, one of those huge pieces, and even they get one year in say, this is not the direction we want. We want to obtain draft capital. You would have that option. So again, I'm going to continue to cry over spilled milk and just absolutely lambaste what the Lions did last year in the draft. Pray that they don't do another terrible job of drafting here in 2021. They very well might. And it's too late. Yeah, it's we, we I know we got a wrap now, but just very quickly, I want, I want a one word answer and it's too we have too many bad takes each to go over, but one segment we have to do our worst take ever. Mine is that Justin Herbert was not going to be a good NFL quarterback. That was atrocious and I need to be reamed for it. But there okay. you go. So I, let's I, say- I have so many. I do. I did a top, top five list um, of my bad takes from the, not this year, but last year, actually a year ago at this time, like new years. Um, we didn't know what was coming for us in 2020, but I did my worst takes and uh I think Juwan Howard uh, won't be a good coach at Michigan. He lacks the experience. That's on the top of the list. Um, I can't remember. Don't what don't, don't give I away had. the farm because I think we got to do this soon. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got to fit it into a segment, and I, and I know we got to wrap this up to keep it timely. So let's say Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson go one, two, three. Jags, Jets, uh, and Texans, and say Deshaun Watson moves on from the Texans. Um, actually, that that Texans pick is going to Miami. So who do you want specifically the Lions to take at number seven, right right now, right here today? If he's on the board, Devontae Smith. Oh, that's your guy. Yep. With, with the, with the contingency plan that as more information becomes available, I reserve the right to alter my opinion, but here we are mid January. We just saw the national championship. I would love to see Heisman trophy winner, Devonte Smith in a lion's uniform over, over uh, Jamar chase over Jalen Waddle. That's the number one receiver on your board. No doubt. Okay. So I think I would probably but Kyle Pitts tight end out of Florida. If he's available, just if he's available, Kyle, Pitts. <laughs> um, I think I would probably go with uh, Panay Suel uh, from Oregon. The yeah. Off- the if he's there, the tackle. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep, you got to keep beefing it up. There's no, there aren't, it's not a great top of the board defensive line draft. Like I think Quiddy pay is one of the top defensive linemen in this draft. And that, that, chief called that ain't it <laughs> I, I can say that right now so uh, i mean he might be fine but i'm seeing him mock top 10 i'm like dude he didn't do anything this year but um but the lions have a, a good offensive line right now or a, it was an okay unit this year if you add another top 10 pick there i mean then whoever is throwing the ball has time you can actually run with with your stable backs and as uh Smith, swift takes over this backfield it, it just gives you more flexibility on offense and everyone wins up. You went up front, you have a chance in any ball game. So that's why that's where I'm going with my first pick. No doubt. Tony, my man, always a pleasure. We got to wrap this one up. Always a pleasure. Our thanks to Dennis Fithian from WTKA for coming on. And as always, download, rate, subscribe, review, show us some love on all those good social medias, uh, Twitter, you know, the, the, you know, the drill. Why am I even going into it? And, and of course on anchor, what else we got? Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. I think I got them all there. You nailed it. You nailed it. All right, all right my friends. Everybody. Have a great weekend. Deuces.